It's time for another exciting, enthralling, stupefyingly monotonous, and entirely unnecessary episode of TV Chinwag. Please welcome your hosts with the meh, Ryan and Jules. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode number 53 of TV Chinwag. My name is Ryan, and joining me, as always, is a woman who is no April Fools, because I think it's April 2nd where she lives right now. It's Jules. Hey, Jules. <laughs> Hello, Ryan. Yes, it's the one time of the year uh, when I don't like being in Australia and being living in the future, because I have to live through... April Fool's Day for 48 hours. So having already had a day of pathetic jokes in Australia, I then have to put up with another day of pathetic jokes from the rest of the world. So um, yay us. Yay you. Aren't you special? <laughs> I have to say there was not not much went on in Australia, maybe just because it's a pig joke all the time. Um, <laughs> and no one pranked me at work or anything. So now I'm putting up with all the, you know, Bad internet things, and and also then having to put up with all the sad people who fall for the April Fool's jokes that are obviously April Fool's jokes. Yeah, I came across quite a few, and it was just you know you you turn on the video and it's uh, okay, it's a joke, and then I just stop it and close it because I'm a spoil sport and I don't I don't suffer fools gladly. <laughs> that was just an excuse to use that phrase. I'm not even sure what it means. <laughs> Well, uh, so we're not pranking anyone today. We're here to offer our quality opinions. Haha, ha, that might be the funniest thing I've ever said on <laughs> television, what's on and what we've been watching. Uh, we're going to review two shows today, which um, possibly at opposite ends of whatever genre classification you want to come up with. 112263, based on the thriller by Stephen King, and Baskets, based on, I don't know, some crack dream, I think. Uh, <laughs> uh, other than that, any news in television, Ryan? Oh, any news in television? Well, I spent a couple weekends ago at the Vancouver Web Festival, Jules, which um, is an up-and-coming festival. I think this is their third year. They're primarily based for uh, web series. Um, there's a lot of web, pretty much the only thing they showed was web series uh, from around the world. And it was a three-day get-together. Um, there was about probably maybe 150, 200 people, and it sort of waxed and waned throughout the weekend. Um, and they had some really interesting panels of people talking about um, web series and, and how to get them going and how to, you know, get them popular. Um, there were some very um, well-known YouTubers that were there. Well, well-known, I mean, relatively. Um, and uh, some web series. The guys from White Ninja were there, if you've seen that Vine mm -hmm. Uh, that Vine comic. Um, and that was interesting to hear, you know, their approach and, on how they wanted to do things. Um, I met some really interesting people. The, I met the head of CBC Digital uh, there who is, we had a great talk about emerging television broadcast standards and, oh, and usage on the web. Oh, wasn't I there? Jules, it was right up your alley. Oh. <laughs> Um, and it was it was basically a weekend of that. I met some great people from all over the world. People came from Germany, they came from Sweden, they came from from everywhere to uh, Vancouver to to participate. And it was a lot of really interesting stuff. And I saw some great web series, um, a web series that I really suggest people take a look at. There's a few of them. Um, one was called Teenagers, and it's actually made in Canada, but it's on YouTube. Um, fucking brilliant! Like just gorgeous filming and really depth to the characters. Um, 
you know, I, I suppose it's sort of like an adult, an adult version of Degrassi or something like that, where it's teenagers and their interactions, but they're not dumbing it down for anyone. It's pretty, pretty uh, heavy stuff um, and really worth watching. Uh, available on YouTube. Um, saw a few other ones. Uh, Rolling Soldier was was very good. I think it won the best action, and that was, you know, sort of like a spy kind of action adventure thriller kind of thing that was cool and yeah a lot of like um ones from the other side of the world in europe that you'd never heard of and it's funny when whenever it comes on and they speak a different language and it's subtitled just seems like a thousand times better quality for some reason (laughs) (laughs) maybe it's because you can't tell the shitty acting or something but uh yeah some really interesting ones Um, there's one from quebec called i want to say uh the banks uh sort of about these people that um park on this little island and get drunk and in their drunken rage one of the guys chucks his keys into the water for the boat and they're stuck on this <laughs> the shore and they can't get off um you know and just really kind of interesting stuff either there was a lot of boring stuff and a lot of like oh god kind of stuff but uh, all in all it was uh, a positive experience it really opened my eyes to um you know doing doing these things and and uh, they had people from uh, some incubators and some producers from the states talking about um you know all these big networks are now throwing money at mm. web series and trying to get people to create web series so mm. there's certainly money to be made and 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 uh, exposure out there for people that want to take on a good web series so well if you think about it from a network point of view or, or cable broadcaster or whatever it, it's a cheap way for them to f- to test ideas. I mean, it's really expensive for a, a network to, to put a show to pilot even. Um, mm-hmm. And I know it's, you know, it's pilot season at the moment and then you've only got one episode anyway. <laughs> um, sure. But if you can see that concept played out, uh, you know, in a web web series, then it can give you an idea of, you know, what that might look like. And not, you know, uh, plus give, you know... Uh, the accessibility for people to actually make things as well and obviously we've already had uh, well the CW's had CW Seed around for a while now which has been their sort of online um, uh, series channel Um, and we've also had series like Broad City which started as a web series and Mm -hmm. and has gone on to be a a very successful TV show Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, I think that's a that's everyone's dream is is that. Or there's one in Canada. I've sent you links that you've ignored called Letterkenny. No, I have watched is, Letterkenny. Oh, have this you? is me giving you the finger. Yeah, it's it's like um, uh, Trailer Park Boys Next Gen. Sort of. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it yeah. is. Did you like it? Yeah. Did I didn't watch laugh? all of it. Yeah, I laughed. Uh, okay, um, but that's a fine example of just a, um, you know a very simple uh, idea from a web series becoming a show. Mm. And it, granted, it's it's only on a Canadian online video service, but it's it's you know hopefully they can use that and springboard into other things. Yeah, I, I guess my only concern is broadcasters locking down the regional rights or, or the oh. worldwide rights and and essentially keeping it caged in this little playpen of just your province or just your territory yep. and not being able to actually get it out there to the world. So. Well, that's that's the advantage, obviously, of having something on Vimeo or, or YouTube is that anyone anywhere can see it. And, um, you know, you can get there's an Australian series. I think it's up to its third series now. Um, 
it's a lesbian drama set in Sydney, and it's get it's gets had like twenty two million viewers. Like Good that's Lord. as many people as we've got in the country, um, and it would never get on TV here. Um, nothing gets on TV here, um, but <laughs> it um, you know it's become hugely it's, successful across the world. So it's not uh, the catering show, is it? No, but that is also hilarious. That is now is. Um, that's now on TV. So oh, that got picked Great. up by um, our national broadcaster, the ABC. Um, so that's again a web series that got picked up for for television. If you haven't, uh, se- have a look on YouTube and you can catch the Kate. I think it's called the Catering Show, isn't it? I think so. Yeah, with a- with Kate McLennan and Kate something uh, else. Yeah, McCar- McCarthy. But it's- McCarthy. Yeah. yeah, so it's it's sort of a piss take on cooking shows, and it's hilarious. <laughs> it is very funny. They're, those women are great. Um, yeah, so, I mean, there's a number of examples. And, again, uh, TV doesn't even have to be the end point you're aiming for because I think there's a number of shows that have become, you know, hugely successful. I mean, you can look at the whole Geek and Sundry phenomenon um, of, uh, you know, being a web show in and of your, itself can can be successful can be and and should be and yeah. i think there's a, a big future in that as well and i think that's kind of maybe maybe one of the ways i'm going to start steering some stuff um you know the weirdo hero which we put out last year yeah it hasn't really got into a lot of festivals it's won some awards with some online festivals mm-hmm. but its current runtime is 40 minutes so that's the boundary for what they consider short films in many of these festivals. Yeah. And people just don't want to put a 40-minute movie in with their short films. Yeah. They want to be able to sell a ticket, come in, and show you 10 short films yeah. in two hours. Um, so, unfortunately, that's one of the barriers to keeping that one held down. So, I actually spent this week, I cut it up into a web series. Fantastic. Right, so it actually plays out into five separate episodes of a web series, and I think it actually plays quite well. So look for that. <laughs> that might be something that happens here shortly. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. I, I, good on you. Um, I think there's, oh, you're going to get me started again. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, just that there are so many platforms and, and places for, uh, for people's work these days, and that they're not... Uh, they're not sort of the poor cousin to ending up on TV. They are all they are broadcast platforms in their own right. Uh, yes. And if you know, and if if making money is your goal, you can do that with a YouTube series. Uh, yes, I, I think that's. I think that I don't know. I, I still, in my own brain, consider it being a transition point into getting to television. But mm, well, it has. It's not for a lot of. You know, a lot of the most successful series on on YouTube these days are not, you know, are successful in their own right. So Mm -hmm. um, I think you've got to also look at, you know, how do you maximise what what you get out of of that platform? Um, Build your brand, Ryan, build your brand. I'm trying, Jules. I am really trying, but (laughs) I keep getting drunk and destroying it. (laughs) Well, let's see if, uh, what's the name of the show again? TV Chinwag can be part of building the Curtis brand. Which show do you want to start with talking about? Why don't we start with Baskets? Because you were the one who put me onto Baskets. George, when is this going to stop? You come to me every week about rent. This is the hotel. It's not free. 
Thursday. I just don't have the money. What about Arby's? Everyone's happy at Arby's. Plus, bonus, curly fries. Do you know where you're gonna stay? <laughs> Baskets? You sleeping in there? I guess you could move in here. I appreciate the invitation, um, but I am a grown man. Are you okay? Baskets, all new Thursday at 10 on FX and FX Now. Sure. Why don't you tell the so, people what Baskets is about, if you possibly Baskets, can. Baskets is also a show that actually probably would have a better life on internet than it does on cable. It is a 20-minute drama starring Zach Galifianakis as a rodeo clown who is manic depressive and has a terrible life. If you like watching Zach Galifianakis not be funny, this is the show for you. <laughs> if you if you saw Zach and you said, you know what would be great, if that guy could just be f- way more morose and dull and boring, then hey, we got the show. Come on down, because it's going to be great. Or if you want to see him play his slightly effeminate, angrier brother, come on down, because this is also the show... It's called Baskets. We got it all here. Um, so Zach plays this guy, Baskets. Is Baskets the clown, who's a, a rodeo clown. We don't really see him so clowning say, too much yeah, in the rodeo. His name is Chip Baskets. So Chip Baskets, Baskets is his his surname, and that gets picked up to be his his clown name. And we should right. say it starts off with him in the paddocks where all the best clowning schools are, but he, he flunks out of um, clown school in Paris and right. ends up back in a, in a small small town of Bakersfield in California where the only job he can get is at the, as a, a clown at the local rodeo. Mm-hmm. So Right, but he's already been working there for many, many years yeah, when we yeah, meet him, right? Yeah. I'm not misremembering that, right? No, no. It's not about him getting there and trying to fit in with... No, no. He's already there. Yeah. He's already a piece of shit. Everybody hates him. Yeah. He's abused. It sucks. <laughs> so if that's not enough to make you tune in to watch, I don't know what is. Um, the the absolute best thing, and there's two best things about this show, is his mother, yes. played by uh, Louis... Uh, what's his name? Edison. Louis Anderson. Yep. Which is absolutely amazing. Do you, now, I don't know how you feel about it. Oh, she's fantastic. He's a straight white guy playing a woman. Darling, I come from the land of, I come from the land of Dame Edna Everidge, uh, and one of the mm. seminal comedy shows in uh, Australia was something called Auntie Jack. Uh, mm. So, you know, guys playing female characters is is in the DNA of Australian comedy. And he's gender bending it so fucking good because he's not putting anything on. No, he's no. not acting effeminate. He's not putting on a voice. He's not being flamboyant. He's being like a, a pastor middle aged woman uh, who has kids. I just think it's so fucking perfect. And it's not Mrs. Brown from those people who have unfortunately been exposed to that English TV series. Or Mrs. Doubtfire. Or Mrs. Doubtfire, thank God. Or Mrs. Uh, Anyone. It's just Mrs. Baskets. And I think, honestly, that is the shining glory of this entire show. And I wish that that was just a show on its own. If it was Mrs. Baskets Hour, I'd tune into that. That's interesting and funny and sweet and lovely. And I I think it's great. Um, The other great thing, I think, is uh, Baskets' best buddy there. Uh, What's her name? Um, Martha? Yes. 
who's a Costco insurance woman. Now, I don't know how much Costco had to pay to have their name all over this show, but holy shit. I mean, it's on the side of her car. She goes to work at Costco drinking out of a Costco cup, gets her friends to sign up for Costco memberships. Yeah. It's I it's mean, it's beyond product placement. <laughs> but it works. It's well, beyond it works. product placement so far that it actually works as a great gag for the show. Yes. And well, it's a, a bit like when to, I don't know if you remember with her uh, her dull personality. Um, Subway saved the basically saved uh, to cut a long story short the show Chuck, and no. the, anyway the product placement in that actually became sort of been very meta and and part of the the narrative itself. It was very good, um, but yes, I've, I've never seen anything to the level of. of Costco, yeah. And not even showing it in the best light either. Oh, no, no. Right, she's threatened to be fired from Costco Insurance if she doesn't sell at least one membership <laughs> to a friend or family member. And But you know what? We're talking about it, so whatever it is, it's working. <laughs> I just I, I applaud them for having the balls to, to actually do that. Corporately, <laughs> you wouldn't ever expect a corporation to agree to something like that, but it works. So... I suppose uh, um, one of the co-creators of the show is Louis C.K. And so it's not a million miles away in uh, feel from his show. Would you say that was right? In the fact that it's depressing? Yes. And that there's an element of sort of, um, I don't know, what's the word, surrealism or it's, yeah, it's certainly melancholy mediocrity. Yeah. <laughs> well, I have to, no, I have to say, my main problem, fair, my main problem with the show, and I enjoy it, but I did find it really depressing. Like, mm-hmm. I, I watched, I think I watched three, the first three episodes in a row, and mm-hmm. and then I had to go and drink half a bottle of gin. I mean, it was just. Mm-hmm. Had to. I like how you say had to. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, it was a Wednesday afternoon. That's sort of part and parcel for Wednesdays for exactly. you. Exactly. Um, but it, it's it's a very pessimistic, dark view on life. And while it's funny, there's also was part of me was like, oh, I really don't know if I want to be tainted by this today. I'm in a good mood. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> um, yes. But it's excellent. Like, it's it's one of those, like, if when you are in the mood for it, it's fantastic. But I can see, see that it's a hard sell because it's not, yeah, anything that makes, you know, makes Louie look like an episode of Friends. I mean, it's... <laughs> <laughs> it's very dark and you know i think it's sad because i i really think galifianakis is wasted i think he's a very funny dude yeah but not in this at all he just plays i i, I certainly believe this is probably closer to his real character than um <laughs> what you see on stage but yeah it's it's really quite morose um his wife leaves him, his French wife who married him just so she could stay in the country and is sleeping with other people and they don't live together, ends up leaving the country and he tries to get her back, but she's not interested mm. in coming back. And it's like, oh, geez, that's that's sad. Yeah. I, I, You're never going to win that struggle, pal. <laughs> and there's something where it's it needs... Mm, there needs to be something that lifts it out of that because, yeah, mm. you end up in these... 
going down these roads with some of the storylines where yeah it's just sad and it's mm-hmm. not it's not even it's not even that oh so dark you know oh i'm laughing at a car crash caused by a banana peel or anything it it's mm-hmm. it's not that it's just it's not tragic it's just pathetic yes yes it really is and and that i don't know if i would then you know want to watch another season of this <laughs> which they have been renewed for a second season oh, okay yeah <laughs> would you consider it the opposite of a sitcom no because that that implies it exists in the same universe as a sitcom mm-hmm. i think this is another and we've touched on before the difficulty of uh of classifying, you know, we've come up in recent years with this word dramedy, uh, you know, things like Orange is the New Black and and other shows that uh, are both funny but also dramas. Um, and this, I think, is is one of those shows that just exists in a, in a whole different sphere. It's not the opposite of a comedy because of a sitcom, uh, because I suppose it is in that it's not serving you up, you know. Joke after set joke, ups and set ups, and, and yeah, every you know, paying off every joke, yeah, and, and every act ends on a punchline or that sort mm-hmm. of thing. So it's structurally not that, and it's also not trying to make you laugh. Well, or is it? I don't know. I so that's I don't know either. <laughs> sometimes I'm not sure whether it's being really successful of it's trying to what it's trying to do, or if it's actually failing because <laughs> I'm not even getting that. You know, when you laugh at something because you're uncomfortable or when you laugh at something because you're glad it's not you. I'm not even getting that. It's just making me feel sad. <laughs> so, yes, yes. Uh, and that's why I'm not sure if it's quite, you know, like some of it maybe actually needs to go further um, so that you can get some of the sort of laughing at the absurdity. But it's, it seems to, again, pull itself back from that or, or not go there. And, and so you're just left with... Well, that's that's just that's really sad. What a horrible mm-hmm. life he's got, and he's a bit, yeah. not a really nice person. And I don't know if I want him in my life at all. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> so yeah, it's a strange creature. I mean, again, one of those things that I, I'm glad to watch, and I, I do think Galifianakis is very talented, but I don't know if this is maybe where Showing that talent needs talents. to be yeah. sitting. Um, I, I mean, he's he's a even in this, do you think he's a good actor? Yeah. Yeah, I do, but I just don't really want to see the character. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, he makes me believe that character. Mm-hmm. What about you? Yeah. What do you think about him and his brother? I think they're great. I mean, the, bro- okay. the brother's more traditionally, like, and the two of them together are more that you can laugh at them because you've got the whole sibling thing and the contrast right. in them and everything. So that's that's the bit that's more traditionally comic. And and as you said, I mean, I think anything with the mother, that works. But sometimes there's just not enough of that. Um, mm-hmm. And maybe if it was, as you said, centred around the mother with these two sons, that might have been, that might have been a better focus for it. Okay, so you're head writer for season two. What do you do to fix it? Well, maybe do that. Maybe swing the POV more round to be centred. You know, maybe maybe the mother breaks her leg or something, and the boys or, or something, and the boys 
have to be around her more. Well, they already do. She's in the hospital, isn't she? Well, yeah, but I mean, full time, sort of, mm-hmm. so, some sort of. I don't know. I, I would just. And, okay, here's the problem with that. It's it's a lot of work to shoot scenes with Zach in both places. Oh, cry me a river. Look at Orphan okay, Black. Well, you need to be start thinking like a fucking showrunner. I just made you the showrunner of season two. Get into the game, woman. Well, I'd be going, look at Orphan Black. If they can do it with bloody half a dozen Tatiana's in the same room, I can do it with two Galifianakis's. Galifianakis is no masala, I'm just saying. <laughs> Look, I don't, um, I don't know because this is not. Does a sh- he, I mean, do you think Baskets uh, or Chip? Do you think he needs to be like medicated? Like, do we need to change that main character? Do we need to get him more manic or more polar? Or you know, does he need to go more happy or more sad or more suicidal? Or you know, I just feel like he's just this blob of gray the whole time. Well, and oh, that's that not would gray be in a good way, more beige. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. See, that's why I don't. I don't think it can be fixed because I think that's your central character, and that's what. You know, Louis and Zach have have invested in. Yeah, but you like Louis though. You like Louis in. in yeah, although the, he too got Louis. to like. I got to the point where I'd had enough Louis. Like I'd had yeah. enough of Louis's yeah. man pain. Really, like yeah. just fucking. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, there there is a, for me, and I'm not. Look, other people will feel differently, but for me, there's a point where I'm not getting enjoyment out of watching this person um, because it's not funny to me or it's not so dark that I can laugh at his misfortune. It just comes, it feels to me just sort of, and maybe that's baskets is that taken to the extreme almost, you know, these Mm -hmm. guys putting all these, their neuroses in one character um, just doesn't work on on a TV show. Agreed. I think that they they need to change him somehow. Maybe, maybe, I'm, maybe mm-hmm. Chip dies in a horrible <laughs> rodeo accident, and then his very similar looking cousin turns up to interact with the bro- Dale, the brother, and he could be a um, new, new character. I think it would be easier enough just to give him medication. He goes on antidepressants and all of a sudden he gets out of that <laughs> where he is and starts living life again. And then also pair up the boss with the mom. I'd like to see that combination happening. <laughs> so would you would you recommend the people watch Baskets? I don't know. I mean, I recommend it to you because I knew that you could watch it and be like, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> I don't know that, like, I, I certainly wouldn't suggest that my wife watches it or, you know, or family members like, hey, you got to tune into this. It's not that kind yeah, of show Don't Don't watch it when you're not on medication. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, look, I think anyone who's if inter- you if you're, if you're a big Zach fan, do you watch it? No, look, if, you, if, you, if you're like, oh, I love Zach in The Hangover. Yeah, actually, I think you should watch this because if you enjoy The Hangover, you probably need a dose of reality. So, um, <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, not a fan. Um, look, I think if you're interested in comedy, as you and I are, in its different manifestations, and it's good to see and think about how this plays out. And there are some bits that are really good. Um, and it's a funny, um, you know, there's bits that. That, that, that seem to be out of a really broad, almost English-style wacky comedy, and then there's bits that are, are quite surreal, and then there's bits that are very, as we said, very like Louis um, or, or Mark Maron, and 
somehow they're not, you know, there are, the show is less than some of the bits of it because there are bits that are fantastic. So I don't know um, if if what we've babbled about sounds vaguely interesting. Watch an episode. <laughs> if you want to see a show that we that we that we at TV Chinwag review as, yeah, yeah, um, maybe wow. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> then you should definitely be oh, watching Oh, baskets. here you go. When if you if you're the sort of person who wants to score points with your friends when you're going to see Hangover Five, and you want to be the one who can say, "Well, it's not as good as Galifianakis's work in Baskets, particularly the four, controversial fourth season," then watch this because, like, having a bit of obscure Galifianakis in your back pocket uh, will get you points. Ugh, that level of Galifianakis snobbery almost made me want to Galifianakis all over the floor. <laughs> but seriously, I plan on trading off this, you know, um, and it, being the only person I know who's seen uh, baskets. The, Besides the only thing I can say that you should definitely check out is Louis Anderson's performance, which I think is fantastic. Yeah. I think is so, 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 so good. Better than Jeffrey Tambor in Transparent. I said it. <laughs> Well, it's a very different role. <laughs> anyway, uh, and tweet us if you've watched it or uh, you do watch it. Tweet us and tell us what you thought. Yeah, absolutely. If you can put it into words of 140 <laughs> characters. It might be like, yeah, it's... Uh, yeah, well, you were right. <laughs> okay, over to something that's um, a little bit more traditional narrative, although it's got a stupid title, which I can never remember, and that's 112263. I'm going to tell you something that's going to seem crazy. But you go through there, it's 1960. I need you to prevent the assassination of John F. Kennedy. You shouldn't be here. Uh, Hulu series based on a book by Stephen King, a writer you may have heard of. Um, the premise of this is that an English teacher, Jake, gets a chance to go back in time, so he's in the present day, go back in time to 1960s Texas uh, on a mission, basically, to prevent the assassination of JFK. Um, now, interesting, this is a, what is it, eight parts, I think, eight part series, mm-hmm. Um I haven't read the book, big Stephen King fan, but I hadn't read this book, so I went in cold. Um, very interesting in the first episode, they get over any of the how does time travel travel happen because basically the lead character, Jake, who's played by James Franco, um, has a mate who's been time travelling for years, who's dying of cancer, who convinces him to sort of pick up this mission because uh, he's... he's um, uh, convinced that if uh, JFK had to live, the whole world would be better. And so really within the first episode, we've got, like he's gone back in time. He's going to, you can only go back to this one point and he has to live in, in Texas basically for three years until uh, November 63 in order to prevent the assassination. Uh, so I, I sort of, I liked the fact that it wasn't sort of like we didn't have half of the season being 
discovering time travel and how does it work and ooh, mm-hmm. it goes back here. That was all dealt with very quickly, yeah. uh, which I sort of like because, like, if you're watching this sort of show, we don't we don't need to know the how and why or whatever. The point of the show is a guy from the present living in the 1960s, knowing what he knows trying to find out if Lee Harvey Oswald was actually acting alone or whether he was part of a conspiracy because obviously if he's acting alone you can just kill Lee Harvey and, and you're right uh, and obviously they're also a person from the present dealing with, with life and social mores in the past. Um, I think we're up to episode five or six at the moment. How are you finding eleven twenty two sixty three? I love it. I fucking love it. It... it- if there has ever been a show that it's embodied what it's like to read a Stephen King novel, I feel like this is it. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I, I, I think James Franco's fucking amazing. Um, I love the setup. I love how it's dealt with. Um, you know, it's it's always... Stephen King is always something magical within a land of mediocrity. You know, so it's... You just go into the back of the closet in this diner and you travel through time. Yeah. <laughs> that's all. You don't need a special anything. That's just... That's the device. Um, I think James Franco is fantastic. I love that he goes back and and actually enjoys living in 1960. Um, I love seeing the transition and, and what things are like then. I think they've done a really great job. Oh, it looks living fantastic! In the past. It does. I have to um, say, filmed in Canada in Ontario, actually. <gasps> oh, um, yeah. Um, I say one of the um, uh, consulting producers is actually the showrunner on Lucifer. Um, oh. Yeah, that's kind of interesting. Yeah, um, you know, I, I love that aspect of it. I love that you know that he's already got all the time travel stuff figured out that he passes on to Jake. Yeah, um, you know, he gives him a book of all the sports scores so that he can go and gamble and make money and. And he's already set up an identity for him back then. Right. So, right. Um, w- w- again, we get over some of the pet pesky, uh, mundane logistics of, of travelling back and living in the past and uh, having an identity. So I, I sort of liked that we didn't have to go through all that. Mm-hmm. I did too. Um, the guy who plays Lee Harvey Oswald is fucking amazing. I think yeah, he's, he's so, great. so good. Um, you know, seeing them recreate, you know, the photo of Oswald holding up his, his rifle and, and the the page, um, pretty cool. You know, they, they sort of showed when that picture was taken from a different angle kind of thing. Um, you know, showing Lee Harvey Oswald going into the Texas School Book Depository and applying for a job and all this other stuff. And it's, it's cool to see it set up like that. This is the kind of shit I love. I love this um, alternate angle on the past that we know. I, I think it's super exciting. Um, apparently, the little guy that hangs out with uh, with him is a little helper dude. Yep. Um, that was ad- added just for the yep. show. That's not in the book, apparently. Uh, but I think it works, and I think it's I think it's great. Um, yeah. Um, you know, going to. Uh, a Kennedy rally and seeing all the people and that excitement and stuff. I thought it was so cool. What did you think, Jules? Yeah, no, I'm I'm loving it. Look, I'm I'm a bit of a sucker for any any time travel um, uh, series. That's always been a um, a weakness of of mine. 
particularly because I think there are so, so many different ways you can do it. Um, you know, you can have the sort of fish out of water thing. You can have the, you know, it can be a lens on the past as much as a lens on the present, um, you know, and the whole concept of, of time travel and uh, whether you can change the past or whether it's a closed loop and, and you're, you know, sort of locked into things playing out. And it's interesting they sort of... Uh, have an interim uh, position in this show in that the past is very difficult to change so we find out that uh, in the first few episodes that things can be changed but they will sort of the universe will conspire to resist that so it -hmm. takes a lot of effort to change what uh, the lead character knows did actually happen in the past um, and of course some of the uh, attraction of it too is seeing this guy actually you know he's still on his mission but he actually starts to have an, a life and and connect and he's a you know school teacher and, and you know he starts to have this life back in the 60s and um, uh, fall in love with it if, if if you will and so it'll be you know interesting to see how that's going to affect you know his mission which obviously will put that at a threat so um yeah i th- i think it's great i mean if you know if this is a standard of stuff hulu's gonna gonna do well i'll you know more of it please and um i think an excellent adaptation it, it, as i said it it, uh, it looks and captures a, a feel a feel of the of the 60s um <clears throat> i think franco plays a very um a very Stephen King lead character because his lead characters are usually they're very much an ordinary an ordinary guy um, mm-hmm. who gets put into some bizarre, horrific, strange circumstance, and it's how that brings out either the best or the worst in them, and sometimes both. So yeah, no, look, it's it's yeah, really really enjoyable. Um, eight episodes, I think. It's, I think we're up to six or seven. seven? Yeah, yeah I, I, we've just had s- or oh, seven. Yeah, so I haven't seen this week's yet. Um, so get a hold of it. It's really good. It is really good. I I, I enjoyed it. I, I haven't seen episode seven yet, but I'm no. looking forward to watching it. It's the kind of thing that I make sure I got some time to really sit down and pay attention to because I I think it's I think it's a lot of fun. Um, I think there's some great actors in it. Um, how, how many have you watched? Have you watched the modules? Uh, no, I'm up to five. I've watched five. So um, his girlfriend's husband, you know that guy? Yep. I think he's fantastic. Um, just some really great cast of characters. Mm. and It's a lot of fun. Uh, the rules of the world are as soon as you reset, as soon as you come out... As soon as you go back past, to the present... Since you come back to the present, the past will remain changed, but when you go back in, it resets itself. Yep. So he doesn't have a... He can't pop back and forward to the present. So... Yeah. Which I think is cool. Yeah. Yeah. No, It's I, just a whole other layer. It's, it's, yes. it's really fun. And so that's why when he goes, he arrives on the same day in 1960... He has to wait until he has to live there until 1963. Yeah, so and he can solve the crime. 
or stop the crime or whatever. Um, or so there we is don't a mis- know yet. yeah, and that's exactly. So you've got the time travel aspect and him living in the past. You've got the aspect of you know who killed JFK, <laughs> uh, yep. and, and the mystery of wi- will he be able to stop it, and if he does, what will the effect be? So um, yeah, and it's it's um, look eight eight episodes. If you want to wait till it's finished, that's a that's a nice day of binge television. It's a nice day of binging. Um, I think I watched the first three episodes back to back and then sort of been keeping up ever since. Um, but, man, I, I got to say, I think this is probably my favorite thing that James Franco has done. Um, I, I won't, won't dispute the, with that. I'm trying to run through my James Franco filmography in my head, but it's, he's very good in it. He's very good in it. In fact, I can I can imagine him being in a number of uh, Stephen King stories, actually. I think he fits mm-hmm. that, uh, that central character very well. Because it's ba- uh, basically the, the lead character in Stephen King novels is always the same person. Speaking of Stephen <laughs> King in television and movies, they are, in fact, starting production on... The Dark Tower series. Yes. Now, are you a fan of the Dark Tower? Oh, very much so. Very oh, much good. so. Good. Very much so. And uh, I think, uh, I mean, I know we all have high hopes for this. Um, some of the casting's been very exciting. Uh, it's uh, something that's been talked about for many years that there's going to be a series. So, uh, you know, I think this is this is. These, this, and things like the adaptation. Brian Fuller's um, doing American Gods. Uh, you know, reasons to be thankful for peak TV. I think. I am unfamiliar with American Gods. So that's Neil Gaiman. Um, not. Let's just say, like, it's very different story than the, the Dark Tower, but not a million miles away in terms of genre. So um, clever. Dark, fantastical um, storytelling, and so I think it, it will. I'm really excited. Fuller's doing American Gods because I think he's one of the few people. You know, he's someone who's demonstrated the imagination to to pull that off. Uh, Dark Tower. I don't know if we have a date for Dark Tower yet, do we? I don't think so. No, but they have cast Roland. And what yeah. do you think of that casting? What do you think? I think. <laughs> I think that you love it. I, I love it as well. Idris Elba has cast as Roland Gilead, um, which I think is very cool. I would not have thought of that, but I think, man, that's that is going to work. If there's a dude that's cool enough to pull off Roland, it's yeah. definitely Idris Elba. Oh, for sure. I mean, I <laughs> no seriously. I, I everything I've seen Idris Elba in, I. And aside from those people who find uh, him sexually charismatic, he has that, uh, and I think you particularly see it like Luther, and also if you haven't seen um, Beast for No Country, the Netflix series, mm-hmm. movie, mm-hmm. movie, not series. Yeah. Have you watched that? No. Um, really uh, fantastic movie. I think it did get an Academy norm, actually. Um, or maybe mm-hmm. it was one of those ones that didn't, that should Beast of No Nation? Beast of No Nation, sorry. Uh-huh. Uh, which is about child soldiers um, in Africa. And it's he, the character he plays in it's incredible. And, and similar to Luther is this complex man who's like, there's this, like, 
a masculinity where the violence is sort of just vibrating just under the skin, even when he's being very quiet. And, and yeah, there's just something about the... Yeah, his acting just... You never know when he's going to explode. <laughs> like, he, he seems right. to be able to portray that um, power, whether it's good or bad, that within the character that you never know when it's going to be exercised. Um, and, look, even I will say he's very attractive to look at. <laughs> Sexual chocolate. Uh, I'm certainly albasexual. Uh, he's this. <laughs> well, I think he's, he's just so, and that's why people talk about him in roles. I mean, I don't. I think he's far far too good to be a James Bond. But I think that's mm. why people talk about him in in those sort of roles because he is just so magnetic. Um, so yeah, I, I think, think he'd be a good James Bond. Uh, yeah, um, for having recently just watched Spectre, I'm sort of like, don't waste him on James Bond. I mean, I'd like Idris Elba to have lots of money, but I think right. he'd be wasted unless they. He's beyond Bond, I think. Gotcha. Did you Did you like the last Bond movie? I did not watch it. Okay. I haven't watched anything, dude. Seriously, I saw, um, I saw Star Star Wars, which we reviewed. Yes. Oh, sorry, we should just stop and say the other main character in in, in Dark Tower is, is played by Matthew McConaughey. So, you oh, know, right. Yes. Well, I mean, are they changing it a lot? Because the Man in Black wasn't really in it, was he? I guess he's in The Gunslinger. Oh, they'll be changing. Yeah. I mean, I think there'll be a lot of... Apparently, it's, it's changed quite a bit. It's yeah. kind of alternate, which I don't like. Um, yeah, no, I haven't been watching a lot. I saw Deadpool. I think that was probably the last movie I saw. I've been meaning to go and see all these other things, but... Um, you saw Cloverfield Lane. Did you like it? I loved Cloverfield Lane, and I think... Okay, I haven't um, seen it yet. Uh, I know it had good word of mouth. I think a lot of people yeah. were put off by... Either they didn't like Cloverfield or they thought you had to see Cloverfield to right. watch Cloverfield well, Lane, yeah. which you don't. Um, no. And I w didn't particularly like Cloverfield um, and I loved Cloverfield Lane. I, I just think it's, it's, it's one of those really – I've seen two show, films recently that were really good – or not films, in fact, one's a show we're going to talk about next week uh, – Suspense. Tension and suspense are things that I, uh, like, I, I'll watch people get, you know, I can watch slasher movies and, and you know, Saw and Hostel till the cows come home and um, that they won't really be things that get me on edge. But show me someone creeping into a room where they don't know if the baddie's in there and, and you don't know if they're going to get discovered or something and you're holding your breath that sort of tension and suspense um, really get me. And Cloverfield Lane has you on the on the edge of your seat and it actually had something happen that, that had me yell at the screen. <laughs> it's like, fuck! <laughs> uh, I loved it. I really think, like, and um, it, it's the um, conceit around the Cloverfield films apparently is, aside from them dropping without any, any sort of pre-publicity, um, is that they've vaguely could be in the same universe so they could be right. around the the same event but you don't need you know not ha having seen or not seen cloverfield doesn't affect your viewing of cloverfield lane um john goodman in it is mm -hmm. it's as good as anything you've ever seen john goodman in like mm -hmm. seriously amazing um i would highly highly recommend that the other film i saw last week was the witch 
Mm-hmm. Amazing. Incredible movie. I think, again, a lot of people were expecting something different than what this movie is. It's not sort of a straight horror slasher flick, um, but it's it's not it's not a but it's it is an amazing movie and you should go and see it but it is a horror movie um yes but it's not i think a lot of people see something some a lot of people want to go and see a horror movie that's going to be you know scary and and blood and they only think of that and obviously the horror genre is a very broad genre and this again is a suspenseful movie it's a i'm not quite sure what's going on it's actually a broader i mean i i described it in these references may mean nothing to people but it was like picnic and hanging rock mixed with an angela carter short story so it's about the dark sensuality that you can find in horror it's also about you know the the people early you know the the white settlers on a continent and and their relationship to to nature and how they you know people from england came to these countries and were fearful of the this sort of in air quotes you know untamed land what lies in the bush sort of mm-hmm. thing um re- really good and and just goes places you don't don't expect uh and, and I like, you know, there's not enough of that in movies these days. So yeah, if you're cool. into the horror genre in, art, in in any shape or form, there's certainly two movies I would highly recommend and you'll get a lot of bang for your buck out of them. You, will, you won't anticipate what's going to happen in them. You'll get scared and you'll think a lot about both of them afterwards. Very cool. That's awesome. I want to see Cloverfield because it was directed by Dan Trachtenberg. Whom I have been listening to podcasts of for as long as there's been podcasts. Um, he had a podcast a million years ago called Geek Drome, and he was probably 19 at the time. Like we're talking 2004, maybe 2005. Wow. And um, and then they moved on. He moved on after that to go and do the Totally Rad Show, which was a video podcast about movies and TV and geek culture. That went on for many years, and uh, that's where I know him from. And then uh, he, through that process, he was talking about becoming a director and getting out there. And then somehow he um, he did a, um, a Portal uh, short film a couple of years ago that caught J.J. Abrams' attention, and uh, and he started working. Well, with him, so. I, I can. He won't be out of work as a director after Cloverfield because the direction in it is incredible. Uh, that's awesome. Not giving anything away, but a large part of it is all basically a one room. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And and the tension he creates in that is is just you know with three characters is amazing and the performances he gets so I'd, I'd say he's a rising star in terms of his directing anyway it's it's really yeah. uh, if it's make sure you get to see it um, yeah. and if you can't see it at a cinema you need to watch it at home without distractions right okay <laughs> I'll make note of that yeah well you know because some movies I think particularly things that are tense. That gets lost if you're distracted and if you can leave the room or whatever. I think part of that tension or suspense paying off has to be you trapped in that situation as well. And I know myself, mm-hmm. if I watch something and I can go and get another beer or play with a dog or whatever while I'm watching it, it's 
it lessens the impact of, of that movie, and particularly this movie, which is very claustrophobic. So, oh, for sure. They're my, they're my viewing rules for uh, 10 Cloverfield Lane. Cool. Well, I'll, I'd like to go see it. Are you going to see Batman versus Superman? Oh, God, I'm torn about Batman versus Superman. I haven't seen it yet. Now, I do remember us on a certain podcast, I believe it was this one, somebody predicting it was going to be a piece of shit. Who would that have been? That'd be would me. That have been me? No, it oh, was me. Okay. You were excited about it. You thought it was going to be great. I did not. I no, said, no, 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 no. I'm no, 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 no. I never said that. Yeah. I always thought from the first trailer I saw that at the very best it would be a hot mess. <laughs> I think that I, I think as close as I got to praise was it could be so bad it will be an enjoyable hot mess. <laughs> Oh, it's so you're so lucky to have me guide you on this journey, Jules. So my problem now is, look, I I wasn't, I wasn't. Everything aside, even if I'd not seen a, a trailer for it, the uh, Batman versus Superman was not a concept that I was drawn into. I felt I wasn't, I, I wasn't thrilled with Man of Steel, so I didn't want to see mm-hmm. more of that that Superman. Mm-hmm. Um, I know this is a reboot Batman, if you like, um, Batfleck, but mm-hmm. I didn't like the last Batman movie anyway, so I'm a bit over Batman. Uh, mm-hmm. So I wasn't that yeah, excited anyway. Now mm-hmm. I sort of feel, because, because everyone's got an opinion on it, I sort of feel I have to watch it for geek cred mm-hmm. and so that yes. I can have an opinion as well. Um, right. But I tell you what, I really do not feel like sitting at the cinema for three hours to watch it. <laughs> Although I hear Wonder Woman's really awesome, um, but yeah, it's it's not. I think there are. I was actually thinking about it this morning. I'm thinking oh, it's a weekend. Maybe I'll go and see Batman versus Superman. And then I saw mm-hmm. there's a new um, there's a new uh, thriller out with Helen Mirren in it. And I thought, yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not passing that up. Wait, I'm not going to go and see Batman and Superman when I can go and see Helen Mirren as a military general. So. Mm. <laughs> I think I'd rather see Batman versus Superman, but Do you? Okay. even then, I got a lot of stuff I gotta see. I'm a terrible moviegoer. Well, Jules, I think that almost wraps up this entire episode of TBH and Wag. It does, everyone. We'll be back uh, in the next couple of weeks with uh, reviews of The Night Manager and Lucifer. So come on back next week, and I uh, hope you enjoy uh, all of what we have to bring you. We're going to try and get on it, and sorry for the long delay, which we only mentioned now, but um, we'd love to get back to at least semi-regularly. Right, Jules? Semi-regular? Well, let's see how our dance cards are. Thank you for listening, everyone. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Thanks for listening. If you like the podcast, please consider giving us a review on iTunes. Send email to fans at tvchinwag.com or follow on Twitter at tvchinwag. Music for this podcast provided by YouTube Music. For Ryan, Jules, and myself, Rich Rubin, thanks for listening to TV Chinwag.